this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. I love Pastor Dave. I, so this guy, I asked his wife if he'd be okay if I teased him a little bit. I remember... Uh, the first Sunday we had back after COVID, the first Sunday, and he was doing the announcement. He goes, we're back. Yay. <laughs> it was awesome. I laughed. I watched those announcements. You got a lot of views on that announcement because I don't know why, but it struck me as so funny. I love that we have a church that um, Pastor Jordan and, and our staff can go away, right? And we still have an amazing team here. Can we just put our hands together for this worship team? Guys, this worship team, most of them were not, I don't think they're sick, but we've all, anybody else have this allergy thing going on? I'm sure you heard me trying to sing up here. I can't sing today. Pastor Jason totally lost his voice. My daughter, everybody, I think the whole team said they were struggling, and yet they outpoured themselves, and they came anyways to worship, and I think that's amazing. As you said, Pastor Jordan is out of town, and if you guys just um, could keep your, be aware of this, that this was the first Thanksgiving without Pastor Jordan's sister, Nancy. And if those of you are new to this church or don't know them, last Thanksgiving, they were all together and everything was fine, and two weeks later, his sister had passed away from a brain tumor, and it was devastating. And those of you like me who have lost somebody, that time of year, no matter how far it gets, it's still, it's still tough. So can you guys join me in praying for him and just having his back? Their whole family is down in Kentucky, and they're at the Ark Museum, which is pretty, I'm kind of jealous. That's pretty awesome. Um, a lot of you have requested uh, that when I speak, uh, I do an I story. And uh, I don't really have one except I have not even told my family this the other day. Uh, yeah, the other day I was walking through, I forget, I think it was Walmart. And a lot of times kids will see my eye and they're kind of like, like wandering in this. It was a teenager and I don't know what happened. He just was like, and he, you know, those displays in the center that are not well put together. <laughs> I just saw him staring at me and I was like, well, should I tell him? Like, I don't mind explaining to people about my eye. And I just went and I heard this huge crash and here he had like, been like, and walked into this huge battery display, and it was all over the place. It's pretty awesome, huh? If you can't tell, I like to have fun. A lot of people think if you've only heard me sing or maybe prophesy on stage I, that I'm all serious. I am all fun. I love to have fun. In fact, uh, my kids were worried. I shaved my goatee, and I was actually doing this to make fun of Martin Baker. Is he here today? I don't think he's here. But this is called a Martin stash. And my kids, everybody liked it so much. And I was doing it as a joke. They said to keep it. So I'm, I'm up for input on my mustache. My wife said as long as I don't trim this part, she's good. Uh, she's good with the mustache. All right, should we get serious? No? I'm trying. To, oh, Ruth's back there and said yes. So I have to be serious. There was something I wanted to make. Oh, Pastor George, one quick funny story. A couple years ago, Pastor Jordan, you know, I hit, anybody else when you hit 40, you know, you feel like you're in shape and then you're not. Yeah. 
steps. Yes. So a couple years ago, I was at Pastor Jordan's carrying speakers up his steps in his basement. And like the third trip, I was like, <gasps> and he was like, ah, you're so out of shape. And it was like the third trip. And he was making fun of me. We had, who was at worship practice a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night? Pastor Jordan, I hope you watch this. We were practicing, and he was standing over here, and he was teaching us a song, and he said, and he got so winded practicing and singing that he had to take a break. He, he was making fun of me for getting tired carrying speakers up steps, and he got tired singing and playing a guitar and couldn't even move. So get in shape, pal. All right. When I was praying and kind of asking the Lord, uh, what to share about today. Uh, I really feel like what it came back to is authority. And this isn't just for you guys or just for me, but just the church in general, that we need a reminder about the authority that we carry in Jesus. For a lot of us, this may be just that, a reminder. But for some of us that are newer in our faith or maybe never have truly understood the authority that we carry, it'll be life-changing today. Most of us have heard scriptures. I'm getting winded making fun of Pastor Jordan. <sighs> Ooh. All right. I had my Pastor Dave jacket, but it's too warm in here. All right, I have to be serious. Okay, most of us have heard scriptures that talk about the authority we have, right? But sometimes in our minds, it doesn't compute. It feels like we just don't get it. So I'll read a couple of the familiar ones that we hear all the time, especially in the Pentecostal church. Mark 16, verse 17 says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. Another one, Matthew 16, 19, says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So these are familiar, right? Most of us have heard these Bible verses, and they are awesome, amen? They're awesome. But a lot of the time, at least for me, I'd hear these verses, and I desperately want that authority, but what happened a lot of the time was that deep inside I was confused why I didn't carry it or why it didn't look like someone else's authority. Even in Pentecostal churches across this nation, we get excited about these things, but the reality is that most of the people attending churches on Sunday mornings don't truly understand what they're supposed to be excited about. So they act excited to fit in a lot of the time. But deep down, there's a frustration building because they're trying so hard to carry that power and it's just not happening for them. I personally think that this is the main reason that the Pentecostals all get lumped into one box, especially in the eyes of other denominations and other believers. I think there's a group trying so hard to experience a move of the Holy Spirit that they end up doing it in the flesh, and then the entire church gets a bad rap for it. And I get, listen, this is, this is real. I'm not trying to come down on somebody. I'm saying I get the frustration of wanting something so bad because that's me. That was me. And still is sometimes. I also get that people can be critical or doubtful sometimes too. And I also think that it's honorable to have a hunger and expectation for the Holy Spirit. So how can that all work together? 
But here's the thing, though, okay? We should be hungry but not striving. Hungry but not striving. Pastor Justin, who's, who preaches out of mercy, is one of our pastors with, with United Worship, and he leads that with me. He always says that God will always match our hunger level. And I love that quote, guys. I love the Pentecostal church, too. I love that there's a hunger and a fervor to be in the presence of God, but I think there's a fine line between hunger and striving. Hunger is waiting with expectation for something that you know is coming and you know is going to be good. Amen? Like that Thanksgiving dinner. Mm, I knew it was going to be good because Tab is a really good cook. If you don't know that, maybe follow her on Facebook, see her amazing recipes and pictures of our perfect home and awesome family. Okay. So that's what hunger is. We know it's going to be good. Striving is getting stressed out about what others have and hoping that you can try hard enough to get it. Striving is stressful. Hunger isn't. Which one are you this morning? I'm asking you to be real. Be real with yourself this morning. Which one are you? So we're going to go through a simple teaching. And this is, like I said, it could be a reminder that will help you to hunger for more of God without striving. You guys with me? We want to hunger but not strive, not get stressed out. You'll hear me say this a lot, but I, I personally, I believe that the Bible and our faith is supposed to be easy to understand, guys. I don't think God wants us to be confused at all. I think he intended the gospel to be understood. It's not just for people who have a high IQ or a college degree or are Browns fans. It's even for people who have a lower IQ and might be Steelers fans. Love you, Dennis. I have to say, listen, I actually laughed out loud at myself writing that. I was like, woo, writing that down. It was great. <laughs> listen, all kidding aside, your ability to walk in victory and joy in the fullness of the authority of heaven has nothing to do with your intellect. It has nothing to do with how easy for you it is to learn math. It has everything to do with your faith. Everything. So first, the first thing, we're going to go through three steps. First, we must know the Father. Because he's the one we're quoting in those verses. At the very start of the message, the ones that were on the screen, we need to know the context of what he's saying. We need to know him and be in a relationship with him. We must know and love Jesus and know his heart. Amen? Let's look at what Jesus himself said when he was confronted by the Pharisees about what the most important thing is. And as we go through these verses, guys, and this teaching, remember that truly believing thing, these things which means having true faith is what you truly believe will enhance the authority you carry. So this is Matthew 22, 37 to 40. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. There's not uh, uh, any place for 98%. It's 100% or nothing. This is Jesus talking. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. 
law and the prophets. That means what has happened and what is prophesied to come. It all depends on this, how we love the Lord and how we love others. It doesn't say anything about any specific spiritual gifts there. This is before and after Pentecost. There's an authority when we love others, guys. I promise you that when you stop worrying, because we all worry. I've seen so much worry in myself and others wanting so bad to get it, to be able to prophesy, to be able to have a word, to be able to have peace. We get so consumed with that that we're striving and worrying and we miss that he just wants you to love other people. Don't worry about what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's awesome to hunger for that. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I promise you that if you just love, truly love the people that Jesus puts in front of you, you're going to start to see miracles. And again, don't compare miracles either. For somebody that needs dinner, a miracle is being invited to your home. Think about it. That's not in my notes. For somebody that doesn't have a family, being invited to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner is a miracle from God. And what if you're striving so bad about what it would look like for you to speak in tongues that you miss that? That you miss that opportunity. Seems too simple, right? It is simple, guys. Do you know Jesus? Do you truly know him? When Adam and Eve sinned, there was this separation between us and God, right? I know we're going to go into some basics. I think it is good to be reminded of the simple gospel every once in a while, right? And for us to truly go deeper, we have to understand the foundation. Jesus, do you know him? There was a separation when Adam and Eve sinned and there was no way to victory and there was no way to eternal life. But Father God loved you. I'm talking to you. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to give his own life in your place. God himself did this ridiculous, crazy thing and allowed himself unbelievable suffering just so that you could be saved. That is crazy, church. Most of us here this morning, we know the story, and we've chosen to trust him and believe he's the Savior. And if not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose him today and know where your eternity lies. So Jesus, right, there has to be a way out. God becomes flesh, becomes man, becomes Jesus. Jesus comes down as a baby and grows up as a human. Dealing with all the things that we humans have to deal with. He's fully man. He's fully God. When he steps into ministry, he does all the things that the religious leaders said not to do. And this is really important to understand authority. We must love and know Jesus. We need to do the things that he did. We need to follow his example, right? What did he do? He loved lepers. He loved homeless people. He loved women caught in prostitution and adultery and trafficking. He loved on children all the time, even when it was annoying to the rest of the people. And he gave them his time. 
He loved tax collectors. He loved the government. How many of us, look, come on, if you're stepping on toes, I just got stomped on. He spent lots of time with his father in prayer and worship. And then after loving these people and showing us by example how to live, he went and died a horrible death so that you could be free forever. Can, wrap your minds around this, guys, because it's almost impossible. God died. God died for you. That is intense love. It's this same Jesus who tells us about the authority that we have. The verse is at the beginning of the message. He's prophesying to Peter about what he's going to do. And the other one is in Mark. It's from the Great Commission about you and me today. Jesus did all the things he did so that you could be free and be fulfilled. So Jesus died for eternity, right? But listen, a lot of believers stop right there. A lot of the church worldwide stops right there. Because there's more. He rose again, and he came back, and right before he ascends to heaven, he tells us that he didn't just die for our salvation, but so that we can walk in the full authority of the victory that he did. Come on, church. Do you believe that this morning? That's where the verse in Mark is from. From the beginning, context is everything. The end of Matthew. Oh, you guys are going to get... Sorry, I got to... I'll get winded again. The, the end of Matthew, the great commission that we usually read is in Matthew 28. Remember, this is, it's the same time frame. You guys ever, I, I, sometimes we look at the Bible as just beginning to end, but they were written in, in different times by different people. And so the end of Matthew, which is the great commission, and the end of Mark, which is his perspective of the great commission, and the beginning of Acts are the same exact time frame. Many people believe the exact same day. Remember, this is Jesus who is perfect love. He's gentle, he's compassionate, and he loves you more than you could ever fathom. And he wants you to be in heaven with him. He had to go. When he came back, when he rose again, he had to go back and he had to ascend to heaven. Why? So that we can have victory. It's important to understand, he didn't leave so that we'd be alone. He left so that you would have authority. So let's look at those verses. We're going to go through all the three I mentioned. Let's look at the Great Commission in Matthew. This is going to be familiar. It's a good reminder. And I still have 35 minutes. Boom. All right, Matthew 28 says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And watch, this is a transfer of authority right here. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the one we usually read, right? That's the one I grew up in the Methodist church reading is the, the one in Matthew. I like the one in Mark. I never really got into this. Here it is in Mark, Mark chapter 16. The beginning is the very same. It talks about, it says, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves. Same thing. They were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they were doubting. We saw that in Matthew. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. I don't recommend that this morning unless there's a poisonous snake that's trying to get you. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Oh, man. I could see the Methodists like the book of Matthew and the Pentecostals love Mark, right? So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So the temptation is just to go, right? He said to go. But we need the context of it all. There is more. Acts 1. Remember, same time frame. Right before he ascended, a lot of people think the same day, until the day he, when he was taken up, after he had given commands and through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He gave the Great Commission, right? He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them, listen, this is important. This is after he gave the Great Commission he said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here it is, church. It would be easy to miss, right? We just go, right? He says it's not enough to just know about him. We need the Holy Spirit to truly know him and to truly operate in authority and to truly love Jesus and operate in his love. He told the people he spent over three years ministering with that being around him and observing him wasn't enough. He told them to wait. He told the very disciples who wrote part of the word of God that they needed something else. He told them to wait that they could not do it in their own strength, no matter how much they strived for it. See how easy it would be? And where we step into that a lot, we just, okay, he said to go, I have to go. And then we go without the power that he said he's gonna, he's gonna give us. He told the very men and women who walked with Jesus that they needed the Holy Spirit. And he's telling us, he's telling you, and he's telling me the same thing today. And I think we should listen to him. Jesus, think about it. Jesus was in the middle of a terrifying storm. They're on a ship. And everyone, everyone, the people, his disciples, everyone is freaking out. 
because they're going to die and they're scared of the storm. And what's he doing? He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. He knew the authority that he had. Do you think we should listen to him? Jesus was visited by Satan himself and taken away and tempted, and yet he didn't lose his cool. You think we should listen to him? Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends, and then he was mocked and crucified in front of everyone he knew, and he was steadfast. Do you think we should listen to him? Because in Acts 2, Pentecost happened, church. The Holy Spirit was poured out on a group hungry, not striving for a move of the Spirit, and the world was turned on its head. That power was not just for those people in that room. Jesus has provided that power and authority for you and for me to walk in today. I promise you. First thing, we need to know the Father. We need to know Jesus, right? Second, we have to know his word. These two go hand in hand. It's obvious just knowing the Bible isn't enough. That's, that's what the religious leaders knew, right? And they didn't even recognize Jesus as the Savior. But it's also clear that we must know the word. Amen? A couple verses, Hebrews 4.12 it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here's another one, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. The Bible is the living and breathing word of God himself. We have to know the word so that we can discern what's from him and what isn't. Some of you in this room, and I know many of you do, have a gift called the gift of discernment. It's where you can kind of discern right from wrong. And even if we flow in crazy, powerful giftings, you know, I, I, Pastor Jordan, sometimes when he prophesies, it's, it's amazing. And, and we can kind of like want those giftings, right? But even when we have those giftings, we can mess up. So we have to use the word as our guide. It has to line up with the word of God or we don't receive it. Jesus quoted the Bible when Satan himself was tempting him. Again, we should do what he did, right? We should follow his example. We would be crazy not to do that. Psalm 119, 105 says this, and we've heard this, it's familiar. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's a lot of good songs with that psalm. When nothing else makes sense, we can trust. And I'm telling you, I promise you, the word of God is absolute truth. When culture deviates from the word, it's culture that's wrong, not the word of God. I want to say that again. When culture deviates from the word of God, 
even if everyone does it, even if somebody in your, a church or a pastor, somebody on TV, somebody that you know and love and respect deviates from the word of God, they are wrong. The word of God is not. It's perfect. So I'm not going to go crazy deep with this today, okay? And, and I do want to encourage you. I know Pastor Jordan loves this. We encourage you to get deep into the word at home and then come with questions, but I do want to highlight what I think is the main reason today in the church that Christians struggle to walk in power and authority. And that is that it, it's, we believe the lies of the enemy over the truth of the word. I'm going to talk more about this, but you'll be like, it can't be that simple. I think it is. It's a battle about what you really think. Not what you post on social media, not what you tell other people. What only God knows is deep in your heart that you really believe. Faith is where it's at, church. Your faith, the de my will definition of faith is what you really believe deep down, allows you to either walk in absolute authority or to walk in fear without victory. The Bible tells us about the fight we're in. Get into it. In Ephesians, spiritual warfare is specifically addressed. And we're clearly told that our fight, our struggle is a spiritual one. And that our enemy is Satan, not other people. In warfare. Anybody agree we're at war? We're in a spiritual war right now in the United States. In warfare, you must know the tactics of your enemy. And like I said, we are at war. You might feel like the war is over in Israel or Ukraine. God has placed you in the United States of America and he wants to raise you up as warriors with authority to stomp on demons and to walk in victory. You have to know the tactics of your enemy. If the enemy will lie to Jesus himself, think of it. We think, oh, he'll do so. If he will take Jesus and lie to Jesus, he will lie to you. And this is why it's so important to know the word. Because listen, when Satan tempted Jesus, it was in the desert, he actually manipulated the word of God. He manipulated scripture to try to tempt Jesus. And Jesus defended that attack with scripture used correctly. See why it's important to know the word? We have to know the word. First, we must know the Father. We must know Jesus. Second, we must know the word. And third, we must understand our enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, that's who he says your adversary is, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He will, Satan will literally do anything to try to discourage you from walking in authority. Anything. There's a battle for your mind. So don't think of somebody else right now. Think of you. There is a battle for your mind. I don't care if you're Billy Graham or, or if you've been, been, been walking in faith or your Pastor Mark, like my hero. There is a battle for his mind. There is a battle for my mind. There is a battle for your mind every single day. 
And you all know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 30 years, for 30 days, or for three hours. The enemy will always try to take your focus off of Jesus and his word and on the lie. So we're going to go over today uh, just a few ways that I see the enemy try to distract Christians. We already said it. He manipulates scripture. He did that with Jesus. He'll do it to you. But Satan cannot create. He can only manipulate. Think of that. Satan cannot create. He can only manipulate what already is created. He can take a righteous anger and turn it into hatred and, and rage. Fine line. Think about it. When he tempted Adam and Eve, he specifically manipulated what God said. He did the same thing to Jesus. He'll do the same thing to you. I promise you. He will get you to turn your focus off of worship and to worry. He'll get you to compare instead of being secure. He will manipulate the truth and get you to misunderstand what God says in his word. That manipulation is everywhere. It's so important to understand context in scripture, church. Just, just a kind of a, something that happened to us that I think is kind of funny and yet scary. You guys ever have those, <clears throat> this is about scripture being in context or out of context. You ever see those, I don't even know if they do them anymore, they're probably on phones, but we used to have on our fridge or on our, our buffet, the hutch in our house, there was like these calendars that had a daily Bible verse, right? And you tear it off. And there was an encouraging Bible verse of the day. And I, we got to the one and, and it said, if you worship me, I will give you all authority in heaven and earth. And I was like, wow, that's, a, and then I, something didn't sit right. I looked it up. That was Satan tempting Jesus. And they had it on an encouraging Bible verse calendar. Listen, especially with the internet now, don't use Google. This isn't in my notes. I want you to write this down. There's a free website called stepbible.org. Stepbible.org. And if you use the ESV or the NASB 2020, which are two very literal translations, you can see for yourself what every single Greek or Hebrew word means in the Bible for free. And I want you guys to dive into it. Do you see how easy it would be for me to read that encouraging verse and be like, oh man, I'm gonna go into my day without thinking anything of it. Luckily, my discernment said, oh, you better check that. We are to test everything against the word of God. So I don't think it's a stretch today in America to see that the enemy has convinced even believers that, all not, that not all of scripture is true. We have denominations splitting because the absolute truth of scripture is being questioned. You can't turn on the news or look at your phone without being bombarded with the validity of what the Bible says about sexuality being questioned. Every day, every single time I go on Facebook, every time I watch a football game, our favorite show that we've watched, NCIS LA, we get to the end of it and they start pushing that. Last night, it ruined the show for me. Get into the word, church. It's alive and you are talking to a person when you're reading it. 
Pastor Justin, another great Pastor Justin quote, he says, the Bible's not boring, you're boring. <laughs> he used to tell me that all the time. Another thing that Satan does is he tells you that only special people can have that power. Have you ever been tempted to think that it's only Pastor Jordan or me or another speaker, or maybe somebody on TV that can have that anointing? Or only if you've gone to ministry school, right? Or only if you're an extrovert. Seriously, we can laugh about that. There are people, many people that I know that think because if you're an introvert that you can't be used by God and that anointing isn't for you. That's a lie straight from the enemy. Or only if you've been sin-free for X amount of time. It's a lie. Jesus died, ascended to heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit so that you can have authority in your home. Yes. In your marriage. Yes. To cast out demons. Yes. Today. Yes. Satan will tell you how powerful he is, and he'll constantly try to turn your focus on his attacks instead of the truth. Listen, obviously Satan has power and we have to be aware, but we cannot give him more authority than he has, which is none if you've given him your life and are filled with the spirit. Remember, I, I, he does have authority to do some things in this world. I know there's cancer. I lost my sister to cancer. And there's sickness because we live in a fallen world, but he has no authority over the soul or mind of a believer in Jesus. But, listen, this is important. We can give him a little bit of authority when we listen to the lies. These lies fill our minds. Think about it. Revelation 12, it says that a third of the angels were cast down with Satan, right? We give so much power to him in the way that we talk and focus our minds, even in the church. We talk about attack a lot, and it's very real. I know it's real. But he's not that powerful compared to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Think about it. Think of how our minds have flip-flopped it. Satan has got us to flip-flop it and focus on the attack. If, if Take away the power of the Holy Spirit, which is insane. If it was just angels and demons, if a third of them became demons, that means angels outnumber demons two to one. But we focus on the third. Do you ever think of it that way? We already outnumber the enemy two to one, and then... You add to it the unbelievable, insane, crazy power of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, you were built to house the Holy Spirit. Another Pastor Justin quote, he said that if a chimpanzee, would, the Holy Spirit would try to get into a chimpanzee, it would explode. Seriously, animals are not created to house the Holy Spirit. It's such a crazy, powerful anointing. It's such an unbelievable deutimous power. Deutimous, it, in, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about dynamite. That's the kind of power that he's given you. 
and no one else. You want to talk about the demons having It said even the angels, which they, demons before they fell were angels, wish that they had the relationship that we had with Jesus. They don't. It's not, even without the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't be like the Brown Steelers this year, which was pretty close. It would be like an NFL team against a bunch of toddlers. It wouldn't be close. And then with the Holy Spirit, it's not. Satan will try to complicate walking in your authority every single day and every time that we give him the opportunity. So today I want to challenge you guys. To choose Jesus and believe the truth in his word. Can you turn down the lights a little bit? And in a little bit, we're going to put on a song and we're just going to go after God. Close your eyes for a minute. Maybe you've been listening to the lies of the enemy. Maybe even this morning. Maybe you've been feeling like there's no hope for your marriage or for you as a mom or dad. Maybe Satan has been confusing your sexuality or identity. Maybe he's been telling you that the hurt that you have from your past is impossible to overcome. Maybe he's telling you to doubt decisions that you've made lately or to dwell on those things. And maybe he's telling you that you'll never be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe he's telling you to compare what that looks like for you to somebody else. When Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew during the Sermon on the Mount, it's the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us to shut out every other voice and to go into the secret place to pray meaning to not listen to any other voice but his. Get to a place in your spirit man right now that you are only listening to him and he gets all of your attention today. You guys know the phrase on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's from that prayer. This is about authority. This is about coming into agreement with the government of heaven here on earth. Heaven operates on 24-7 prayer and worship with no time to consider a lie. When I start to hear those lies, I instantly pray and speak the name of Jesus. The enemy has to leave because God's word says so. We activate Today, you can activate that authority of heaven by choosing to hunger for a move of his spirit instead of striving while listening to a lie. Activate your faith today and your authority right now, right here today. The Bible tells us to dwell on things that are pure and just and good. The most powerful thing you can do today if you're a believer, is to change your focus from the liar to the life giver. Don't give the enemy any of your time anymore.
I'd be willing to bet that most people who attend church in this nation spend more than half of their time focusing on things the enemy wants them to instead of him. They focus on the attack. And that alone takes away authority from God in your life because you have the choice to operate in that authority or not to. He's not going to force himself. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. You get to choose. Because God won't operate through you unless he's wanted, invited, and welcome. Think about it. What kind of love would it be if, if he forced himself on you? He could, but that's not his character. You have the authority to go home today and kick demonic spirits off of your property. You believe that, church? Do you believe it? Stand up with me today. I'm going to read that part again. We're going to have a time to go after God. I did that intentionally. I wanted you to, to count the cost, okay? I wanted you to consider as fellow warriors what the attack is in your mind and be aware of it because you have the choice. You have the authority to go home today, like I said, and kick demonic spirits off your property. I promise you, they'll go. You have the authority to proclaim the power of Jesus over your marriage and over your finances. Come on, church, do you believe that? You have the authority to proclaim victory over your marriage and over your finances. Do you know the enemy can attack your finances? He can attack anything. You have the authority and the power to choose to focus on Jesus and to worship him right now. You have the choice to hunger for him or to strive and be stressed today. I want you to hear me on this. I am not diminishing things like counseling or mental illness or depression. What I am saying, so don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? What I am saying is that the root cause in many of these cases is a choice to listen to the enemy instead of truth, and then a series of events follows that choice. All I'm saying is that to consider the spiritual aspect first before you run somewhere else. Amen? You guys can start playing that song. And in a minute, I'm going to challenge you guys to just go after God. Because if you couple that anointing that you carry with the power of numbers like we have this morning, principalities and powers of darkness can be crushed today. When we worship, which I haven't even addressed today, church, the enemy cannot stand to stay where that worship is happening. And what I really desperately want you to understand is that you are needed in this war. When you're at home or you're at work or at school, we need to be hungering, not striving for a move of the Spirit, church. We should be expecting miracles, not wondering if they might happen. God will sort out when the outpouring happens. God will sort out when the healing happens. Do you know what would happen? I have prayed for so many people to be healed and way more have not been healed than have been healed. Do you imagine what would happen if I focused on those as defeats when they weren't healed? No, 
God has the authority. He can heal whenever he wants to. We have the responsibility to walk in authority and faith and operate in it today. We should always be expectant. When you come to church in the morning, you should have a built-in expectation for signs and miracles and wonders. Because there are people that walk in here that are crushed and defeated and need the power of Jesus in their life. And what if your worship and your authority that you walk in is life-changing to them? Don't let the enemy lie to you today. If you haven't experienced breakthrough, if you haven't been healed, if you haven't spoken in tongues or prophesied, the enemy will say, see, you're doing something wrong. See, you're just not getting. Say no to Satan today, church. Choose to activate your faith. Choose to worship. Do not listen to the enemy right now that would compare you to me or anyone else. Sometimes it'll be tongues. Sometimes it'll be complete silence. Sometimes it'll be a prophetic word. And sometimes it'll be something totally unexpected. So here's how we're gonna end tonight, this morning. If you wanna worship with me and put our focus on the king and you want to hunger for a move of God in your marriage in your life in your finances or you name it I want you to march right up here prayer team come on up if you want a move of Jesus in your life come on come on up to the front there's plenty of room if you want to see Jesus move in your life if you want to see him do the unexpected I'm daring you to step out of your comfort zone this morning and step to the front I challenge you. Bring that music up a little bit. I challenge you. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want to cast demons out of their place that they think they have a right to be when it's your right to have that authority? Come on, let's press into him. Tell them that you're all we want, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Turn that music up. Come on, worship him. Worship him. Come on. Is there anybody here 
that needs to rededicate your life to Jesus, or maybe you see all of us crazy Pentecostals walking in this joy and this fun, and this crazy bald guy up here losing his voice with this awesome mustache, and you want to be part of the family. Is there anybody? Just wave your hand. I'm not going to make you come up here. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus or pray salvation for the first time? Just wave at me. Just give me a wave. Just give me a wave if it's you. Yes, one, yep. Anybody else? Come on, you just wave right at me. Wave right at me. Come on, wave right at me. You want to two. Anybody else? Wave right at me. You want to pray salvation. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Come on, anybody. Just wave at me if it's you. I'm not going to call you out. Three. Anybody else? Come on, if you already waved, don't do it again. I only got one eye to see this. Come on, just wave at me. Play that song again, guys. Just wave at me. Wave at me. So there's three people. We ready to do this together? You don't have to, you're going to pray. It's between you and the Lord, but we're going to pray with you if that's okay. So can we all pray this together? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short. But today, I believe that you're the son of God. And that you died on the cross for me and you rose again. I invite you into my life to make me new and to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Listen, there's somebody here. There's somebody here that has been your marriage, and this will take courage. You need prayer over your, specifically your marriage and your finances. And if you want, if anybody, yep, I already see hands. If that's you, can you guys make room? And we're going to bring you guys up. We're going to have a couple different things we're praying for. Prayer team, if that's you, your marriage specifically and finances. Marriage and finances together as a couple. Come on right up here. The worship or the ministry team is going to pray for you. There's somebody that your right shoulder has been absolutely crushing you. It's hard for you to sleep and you've had to, you guys just start praying. Worship ministry team, just start ministering. There's somebody, your right shoulder, you've had to change how you sleep. Right shoulder, come on, wave at me if that's you. Right shoulder, right shoulder, right shoulder, right here. Can some of our ministry team join right over here? Right shoulder, hand up in the air. Come on, ministry team, I hope you're ready. You guys ready for an outpouring today? We're early. Your kids are fine. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus.